Welcome to episode 12 of Seeking the Military Suicide Solution podcast brought to you by the Military Times. I'm Dwayne France. And I'm Doc Shauna Springer. And we'd like to thank you for taking the time to learn more about suicide in the military-affiliated population. If you think you know somebody who might be interested in checking this out, share this episode with them, tag them on social media, send them an email with a link, or just tell them about it. You can see all of the shows by going to bettermentalhealth.com forward slash STMSS. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Mill Media Group. Mill Media Group is a proven web design and digital media agency specializing in supporting organizations focusing on the military population. Find out more about them at millmediagroup.com. Thanks again to everybody for joining us to listen to an honest conversation about service member, veteran, and military family suicide. We'd also like you to join our Facebook group, moderated by fellow combat veteran D. James. You can find the group by going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash group. On the show so far, we've highlighted resources for veterans from the Department of Veterans Affairs to those with lived experience of loss. This week, we wanted to share some of the things that the Department of Defense is doing. Shauna, what can you tell us about this week's guest? Sure. Dr. Nick Polizzi is the Governmental Action Officer for the Real Warriors Campaign and the In Transition Program at Defense Health Agency. The unifying goal of his work is to reduce stigma related to seeking mental health care, to educate people about the value of therapy, and to help service members and veterans navigate the expansive array of resources available to them. Nick leads multiple ambitious efforts to accomplish these ends, and his sincere interest in supporting those who serve in our military shines through in this interview. I asked him what has led him to focus on suicide prevention as a key target, and he said this, Suicide is a lethal outcome, and it doesn't need to happen because there is so much we can do to change this outcome. Let's hear what Dr. Polizzi has to share with us. Yes, I absolutely agree. And obviously, the, the premise of the show is that suicide does not need to happen. Great to be able to get a point of view from the Department of Defense on this issue. So let's get into the conversation. and We'll come back afterwards to pull out some of the key points. The issues with suicide in the veteran population, uh, the veteran spouse population, the DOD has their own challenges, of course, when it comes to suicide in the military services. We just saw the articles on a huge spike in 2019 for, for Air Force suicides. But from your perspective and in, in working with the Real Warriors campaign, what's working when it comes to suicide prevention? Well, I think what's working is, and we know this from the recent research, is that stigma associated with seeking psychological health care or, you know, behavioral health care, mental health care, you know, call it what you will, the stigma associated with going and, and getting help and bringing these topics up with loved ones and friends, the stigma is actually decreasing. It's going down. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, folks like yourself and providing a forum for Real Warriors campaign to get out there and talk and share our message and for people just to start to realize that psychological health care is just health care. It's just part of routine health care. And we want to check in and, and make sure, just like we would if we had a sore throat that was lingering for four or five days, if we're not feeling ourselves for four or five days, eh, it could be nothing. But, hey, maybe this is worth checking in on. And then being able to say, well, where would I go? You know, I, I want to, quote, check in on something, but where do I go? 
I'm really happy to say that the Defense Department has the Real Warriors campaign and our website can be a starting point. It's not the end-all be-all, but if I'm service member or veteran even and a family member and I'm interested in, well, what does depression mean or what are the signs or what are the symptoms of maybe my anger is a little too much or even something that may not sound so mental healthy, so to speak, such as a uh, healthy finances or good relationships with people. Or the big one, of course, is just getting good sleep. But you want to know more about that, you can go to realwarriors.net and learn in real common language and, and, and really just real simple language that is just the facts, just about these these topics. And then also perhaps explore getting connected to care in your area. And if you're so inclined, you can even watch some video profiles from, as we say, real warriors telling their real stories. They're not actors about how they were having some struggles and they reached out for help and they got it and and they're the better for it. So the fact that the stigma is going down, it's efforts like ours and others to help normalize psychological health care, get people talking about it, and getting people feeling comfortable reaching out. Yeah, you know, I think I agree, especially, uh, see, I retired in 2014 and started to see the stigma start to shift. And you do make a point, you know, arose by any other name. I recall when we called it mental health and nobody went. We changed it to behavioral health. Nobody went. Uh, Deployed, we changed it to combat stress. Nobody went. I mean, it wasn't the name that was the issue. It was the stigma associated with it. And that's a part of the need for a, a change in the culture, a change in the conversation, all the way down to really at the squad and team level. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, part of the Real Warriors campaign's thrust is to get to those leaders and to say, hey, if you need help or you have a concern, you're not weak. You wouldn't be weak if you banged your knee playing basketball on a Tuesday night and then you couldn't execute your job optimally, well, that's a threat to mission. And if you're not feeling yourself and you're going through stress at home or having financial problems, it's keeping you up at night, well, that could be a threat to the mission too. And we'd hope line leaders are comfortable saying, hey, listen, I support you getting help with that. Let's see if I can't get you pointed in the right direction with resources. That's what we'd like to do is for the folks in charge of others to be able to say, hey, here's my story, here's my struggle, I got better, and you can too, and I I support that. Definitely, again, as I had seen it and understand with working with the the active duty service members, you know, the the colonels and the commanders and the command master chiefs, it's absolutely good for them to stand up in front of formation. But if they're sitting next to their buddy that they've just deployed for 9, 10, 12 months with, and that buddy next to them is saying, you better forget it and, you know, don't say anything to anybody that can be a challenge. I mean, that's in the veteran community, we call that peer support. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are still concerns about how if I go seek out care, you know, forget about perceptions, you know, if I'm, people will think I'm weak or whatever. And that's something we try to address with Real Warriors campaign, but really some actual, say, career impacts. Are they going to take my weapon? I'm going to lose my clearance. Those are real concerns. They're, it's not fiction. It's something to consider. Am I going to be grounded if I'm a flyer? These are questions that are worth asking. And what we try to do at Real Warriors is have the facts to dispel the myths and then also clarify. So, for example, we've just discovered from more recent research that for people that go and seek care, it impacts their clearance in only 0.002% of the time. So much less than 1% of the time is someone's clearance taken away or impacted because they go and get 
psychological health care. And that's, you know, that's what we're learning from the scientific side of things. But that doesn't do any good for us just sitting on a website if nobody looks at it, if we're not able to get that word out. You know, similarly, there's someone we're working with in the campaign, uh, Captain Cassandra Ross. She sought care and she's open about it and she's able to fly. So I, I share this because these are not it's not fiction for someone to have these concerns. They're not out of their mind. It is possible. But the reality is it's really, really infrequent. It's not like somebody comes in and it's like, okay, we're taking your rank. We're taking your weapon. You're taking your clearance all because you're having marital stress. No, I mean, you get on, on top of it early. The, the fixes are often very manageable and quick. But if you wait too long, the problem can manifest. It can become worse. It can compound. And then you may have a significant problem on your hands, including self-harm like suicide. So we try to stress that, hey, stress in the military is common. But if you seek care early and often, then uh, you're doing yourself a big favor as opposed to putting it off and kind of putting your head in the sand or succumbing to, oh, I don't go to mental health because they're immediately going to take your weapon. Well, that's in very, very, the vast majority of cases, that's not true. So we try to dispel those myths and, and work with folks that may have erroneous assumptions about mental health care because it comes from an, a natural place. I don't want to dismiss it, but we say, hey, here are the facts and, you know, try to persuade not argue, but just say, hey, listen, wouldn't it be better to get help earlier rather than later before a small problem becomes a big one? And it's like, well, I don't know where to go. We're trying to say, understood, come to realwarriors.net and see what's there and poke around and get connected to resources that way. I think the DOD has done a nice job of having a ton of resources, but they don't do anybody any good sitting on a fancy website unless uh, service members, veterans, family members, loved ones go and check out what's available. You know, and I don't wonder if that's one of the things that maybe isn't necessarily working. There is a lot of information out there, right? I mean, you type in not even just suicide prevention, but military or veteran suicide prevention in Google, and you get, you know, 3.5 million, you know, hits <laughs> less than a second, right? And, and so there's a lot of the resources out there, but the challenge is, like you're saying, is getting the people that need the resources to those resources when they need it. That is exactly right. I mean, it's, I often say like the, the DOD does such a great job of supporting the service member, the warfighter, their families, at least in terms of creating services. But perhaps this is just my opinion, but you know, it's, it, you can bring the horse to the water, but if they're not going to drink it, it's not doing anybody any good. So you're absolutely right. We need to connect the people that need the resources to the resources themselves. And anybody can go to realwarriors.net uh, and avail themselves of the resources. And I think similarly, what's cool about Real Warriors is we're trying to reach people where they are. And by where they are, I kind of mean people are on their phones all the time. So we've revamped the website so that it's mobile friendly. So if you're sitting there at your kid's, I don't know, basketball game or you know, play practice or you're waiting for a bus, uh, and someone's listening to this right now, they can pause it and go over to see what's available. And similarly, we're trying to create a, like a community of, of like-minded people and folks that are interested in our topic. And that's through both our Facebook and uh, Twitter account. So, you know, I look at our conversation here as a great first step, but then I hope your, your listeners then go and join us on Facebook Join us on Twitter and then share the information. Not everything's a home run. You know, not everything's going to be, you know, super relevant. But then the stuff that does stick, please help get the word out. You know, we're all in this together for our, our service 
uh, men and women and their families and friends. And, and so the Real Warriors campaign is something from the, the DOD, right? This is a, a DOD program. And as I'd mentioned previously, what we're dealing with in post-military life, of course, started in the military and all of that culture. But we were talking a little bit before we started recording about some of the gaps. And one of the gaps that I've seen is that bridge between the military life and, and say, maybe support at the VA. For some individuals, that may be months. For some, it may be years. And for people like my dad's Vietnam veteran generation, it's probably decades. But in, in you were talking about the in-transition program, which is also a DOD program that helps bridge that gap. Absolutely. And I'm glad you made that point. So Real Warriors Campaign and in-transition, they are both Department of Defense programs. And you're right, In Transition is kind of like a sister program to the Real Warriors campaign. And what In Transition does, In Transition helps connect service members and veterans to psychological health care, no matter where they are in the world, no matter how long they served, and no matter, and it's an important one, their categorization of discharge. So In Transition is about as barrier-free a program as the DOD has. And so by that, I mean, suppose you're a service member and you've been in eight years and you're separating. You know, you had a good career, but now you're getting out and going to do something else. And you're, you're going to be moving from, I don't know, Port Juanini down to Orlando. And you'd like to keep your psychological health care going. But you don't know if you're qualified for the VA just yet. That hasn't come through. You don't know about your TRICARE. There's a lot of questions that you may have. Uh, as a mental health provider myself, I do my best to help my patients as they transition away from me, but I don't have all the answers. and I'm no expert in this example of what's available in Orlando and what's available for the service member. Luckily, in transition can take that burden off you where a service member gives a call or the provider calls in with the service member and the service member is connected to a coach and the coach learns a little bit about them and says, all right, so what are your options and what's, what's important to you and what kind of care would you like? And then that coach is with that service member or veteran every step of the way until they are connected to care and they like that care and it's working for them. So if you, they get connected to, say, a provider via TRICARE and after three or four appointments, it's just not a good fit. You have unlimited bites at the apple. The service member or veteran can call back to in-transition, get reconnected with their coach. Um, in almost every case, it's the exact same coach and get them connected to care where they would like. Hi, I'm Melissa Mosier. I'm a local Army spouse, daughter, sister, and a proud team member of Mill Media. I'm here at our headquarters at the Great Fort Head, Texas. Mill Media is a military-affiliated team that wants to serve you the way that you served our country. With mostly military retirees, veterans, and families as our staff, we understand the military mindset. Mill Media is the one place that prioritizes your goals above all else, which you will see from our incredible customer service. With over 25 years of experience, we work with everyone from startups, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and nonprofits. Mill Media Group is the digital division of Top Search Business Solution that specializes as a web design and digital marketing platform. So visit our website today for a free website analysis. 
so that you can sit back, relax, and let us give you the perfect online presence. To hear more about what Mill Media is doing and will continue to do, call me today at 254-554-0974 or visit our website. That's millmediagroup.com. So call me whenever you're ready. third cool thing about the in transition program is you know like sometimes uh, competing interests can come up so yes i'm using this example going from port Wanimi down to orlando all the way across the country and yes i'm excited to keep my care going but hey that job i thought i had in orlando my buddy thought he had a job for me it's not panning out or i can't get my gi bill benefits um squared away and you know what about a service dog i think i'd like to try to figure that out where do i go in transition it's a live person a live coach that you develop a relationship with can help dig out some of those resources for you and get you connected next question we get is well that sounds great but how much does this cost it's free it's your tax dollars at work free for any service member or veteran regardless of time in service and regardless of categorization of discharge so if they were in 30 years or three minutes um, they're eligible for this service and then the last question we often get is well what about family members can family members use in transition well no not for the coaching but what they can do is call our other sister program which is the psychological health resource center and get connected to a real live person that can help speak confidentially with them and get them answers to their questions, get them connected to services in their local area, uh, targeted resources and the like. So we're doing our best to support everybody with the Real Warriors campaign. If you want to dip your toe into the psychological health world, learn more about grief or loss or PTSD, suicide, depression, et cetera, um, and see real stories from real veterans and real service members actually active duty many of them still and that's for everybody and then if you're that service member or veteran you're like yeah i'd like to get connected to care there's ways to explore that on the real warriors website or you can reach out to the in transition program and get connected to in transition and get that coach and they can help you get connected to care in your area and for that spouse or child or somebody else you know that needs resources anybody under the moon can contact the psychological health resource center and get connected to a real live person or do a, a live chat and get resources that way so your points well taken is that we have these wonderful resources and they're being leveraged but there we have capacity for more we can help more people and we want to so we appreciate this opportunity to spread the word of these great programs yeah, and, and it definitely it's welcome. And like I said, we're trying to get a wide range of resources. But one of the things you're talking about is as we're changing the stigma, and this is the way I describe it, is that we keep asking service members and veterans and military family members, you know, reach out, come knock on the door. The other part of that, though, is there needs to be somebody on the other side of the door to answer when that person knocks. And that's sort of uh, I think I've seen that over the last three or four years where people have started to knock on the door and then get frustrated when they don't have an answer right away. And it sounds like that's what Real Warriors uh, campaign and the In Transition program is doing to be able to make those connections. And and so to to wrap up here, what do you think, and, and outside of 
Obviously, we're going to have the real warriors and in-transition links and the phone numbers and everything on the website. But what is something that um, listeners can do? What action steps can they take if and when they find someone in a suicidal crisis or, or, or approaching a suicidal crisis? Oh, absolutely. And, and I would say even, I would hope your listeners are even tracking before it gets to that level of extreme, ex, you know, extreme reaction. And I think it can start with, I often get asked this question, like, what are the symptoms I should look for? And, you know, what are the top five symptoms? And I, I'm going to even make it easier for your listeners and, and to let, let them off the hook a little bit, because not everybody is a mental health professional like us, right? And so, I would say that the first place to look, the first, quote, symptom to be on the lookout for is that somebody's just not acting like themselves. And you notice it, and it kind of goes a little too long. Now, you know, we all have our good days. We have our bad days. Sometimes, you know, I'm the first one to come home in a grumpy mood because something happens at work or vice or something along those lines. You know, ups and downs, you know, hey, that's life, you know. But I'm speaking more if I'm not able to bounce back after a suitable amount of time, and that's all depends on the person, right? But maybe it's three days, maybe it's four or five days, maybe it's a week. I don't know. But if, if I'm a loved one, if I'm a husband or wife or, or child or parent of, of a service member, and they're just not acting like themselves, and this has been going on now for a little too long, and I get that prickly feeling for them, that's a symptom in and of itself. You do see that they're not being themselves or that they're withdrawing from you and you've reached out and they don't return your calls or you used to get together once or twice a month and go bowling and they've not come the last three or four times. Whatever it is, they're just not how they used to be. Reach out and you could just point that out. We know it, uh, it's really clear now. That can be a step in the right direction. Say, hey, listen, I, I, I care about you, and I notice you're not quite yourself lately. I don't know what it is. Is everything okay? Can I help? And often, often, just that little bit of putting your toe into the door and opening that conversation that way just a little bit, that's what it takes to get the conversation going, oh, well, I'm really stressed at work. And then, boom, if this is somebody that you know pretty well or perhaps you're a leader of, uh, you say, like, all right, well, go on. T tell me a little more about it. Now, if you come across somebody that's really in a bad way and they're maybe in a crisis situation and they really say stuff that is concerning to you, not just like they're not themselves, but boy, that, that's really, that's kind of messed up. What, what do I do? That may be a situation where you're within your rights to reach out, reach out to them and maybe even call like a 911 or a military crisis line or a veteran crisis line. Most people you know, they may not, most people don't object if you reach out for them on their behalf. They're, in many cases, they're sort of saying, it's, it's like, yes, please, I just wasn't going to do it for myself, but yes. And, and even if somebody, sometimes I get the question of, well, what if somebody gets mad that you kind of get into their business? And, and I'm like, yeah, but at least they're alive to be mad at me about it, and I'll take that. We still have a role to play, I think, as friends, as husbands, as, and as wives, as, as, as you know, brothers in arms, to say, hey, you're just not yourself. I'm a little worried. What, can I help? That in and of itself can, you know, it's early intervention, it's early prevention. That can go a long way to help prevent folks from getting to that crisis situation. Yeah, you know, I really appreciate that. It's definitely a matter of the person-to-person -person connection 
and, and knowing people well, right? I mean, that's, if, if we just start to treat each other better, that can go a long way to, to reducing the stigma and ultimately reducing the, the number of suicides both within the DOD and the veteran community. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk today, Nick. Oh, it's a real pleasure, Dwayne. I, this is a great, I appreciate your forum and folks like you that are helping get the word out. We're very grateful. So thanks for the opportunity to speak about Real Warriors campaign and in transition. Just thank you so, so much. So I'm really encouraged that we were able to get somebody from the DOD on the show. Had a great conversation with Dr. Polizzi. Shauna, what did you think? I thought it was great. You know, we've had just such wonderful guests on this show. First thing I wanted to pull out is this point. You know, Nick is a, a licensed psychologist like myself. And at various times, I've heard people in our field minimize the concerns of military service members and veterans who express fears about how seeking mental health may impact their careers. And I really appreciate that Nick didn't take this approach. He acknowledges that these concerns are both real and natural. At the same time, he works to educate people about the likelihood of the outcomes they fear. For instance, it's worth repeating the research he cited that military service members who seek mental health care lose their security clearance 0.002% of the time. That's really a rare event. Mental health stigma is certainly related to the fear of negative repercussions, but these fears get played out in the immediate relational context of therapeutic interactions. As a psychologist who serves veterans, it's been critical to my professional growth to put myself in the shoes of my patients. So one of the questions I asked myself very early on was this, what kinds of past interactions has my patient had with people like me? That is people with the same kind of training and graduate degree. If we zoom out and think about the role of mental health providers in veterans history, we can see that it's not true that active duty service members would avoid behavioral health care providers after discharge because they have limited experiences with them. In fact, those who serve in the military have inevitably had repeated experiences with behavioral health professionals. Specifically, psychologists and psychiatrists evaluate them for fitness for duty and symptoms throughout their service. It's not that these professionals are not caring, but rather that they are primarily focused on troop readiness. Interactions with mental health professionals in these contexts may feel to a service member like a hunt for deficits and problems that could interfere with military readiness. And this kind of assessment process is quite a different thing than supportive non-judgmental therapy. So I wondered what are we doing to help service members make the transition into a new definition of wellness. You know, that is a couple of very great points. As you were talking and I was thinking about, not that I hide it very often, but I was a recruiter for three years. Part of the recruiting process and screening for the recruiting process is I had to see a behavioral health provider to make sure that I was psychologically sound to be a, a recruiter. Uh, and I remember asking her, is there anything that I could say that would get me out of recruiting? I mean, can I... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and she was like, no, not really, actually, you know, and, and so, but you're right. And, and this is the thing is it usually has to do with questioning fitness or non-fitness or evaluation and the outcome of that evaluation could impact something. We've talked about this on the show before, something that we want being taken away from us, whether it's post-deployment leave, if you say yes to certain questions, you don't get to go on leave right away 
or security clearances or weapons or whatever, right? Or even yep. just the esteem of your, your fellow platoon members or, or company members. Having been on both sides of it, I had considered, but I hadn't considered addressing it specifically at the beginning of therapy. I think it's a really good point. Yeah, that is their script for how they see people like us many times. I think that we really do need to bring that ambivalence out into the open and talk about it and help them kind of come to a new definition of wellness. We need to make the transition for them to what supportive non-judgmental therapy is because it's quite a different thing than psych evaluation. But how would they know that? You know, there are so many things worth commenting on. And the other one I wanted to emphasize is the point Nick made about early intervention before a problem builds to a head. Specifically, he made the point that it's wise to address a problem before it compounds. I've been thinking lately about how fear becomes a dominant factor in our life. It changes behavior in ways that mimic what have previously been considered diagnosable mental health conditions. For example, where do we draw the line between the pervasive feeling of dread experienced by someone with a diagnosed anxiety disorder and the current of anxiety that's pervading our society at present? Or how do we now situate the, the feeling that if one does not wash one's hands repeatedly throughout the day, something bad may happen? You know, previously this was considered a feeling associated with the diagnosis of OCD, yet now many Americans feel that engaging this behavior is socially responsible and, and warranted to protect their loved ones. And where do we draw the line between OCD hoarding behavior, that's a clinical condition, and the behavior we're seeing from everyday Americans, whether they will have enough to feed and care for their families, as you know, demonstrated by shortages uh, of paper supplies and some things. And when these lines become so blurred, what can we do to maintain emotional wellness? So the point that Nick Polizzi makes about early awareness and the importance of taking action before problems compound is extremely relevant to what's unfolding right now in our society. I came up with a list of 15 things to do to manage our emotions. I'll be sharing those out in different little pieces I'm writing right now. But here's just two examples. So the first one is that you know anxiety creates tunnel vision. So to combat this, we can take the long view. We can ask ourselves how we hope this event will be remembered five or 10 years from now. During the bombing campaign of London, the way that the people of London responded has been a source of national pride ever since. So how can we respond now in a way that will build our strength as a society and a nation when this time of trial has passed? Getting ourselves to think in future-oriented ways that align us with our deeper values can help us reduce our anxiety. The second one is more you know, practical, get out your cell phone kind of idea. So the other example I have is we can be intentional about how we connect with each other. One of the Marines in my circle, Dana O'Brien, has long had a practice of sending a note of affection to a rotating list of people he cares about. Every so often, I wake up to a text message from him that reads, you know, has anyone told you lately that they love you? Because I do. And it always makes my day. So being intentional about connecting is critical right now. After the shock of this sudden change in our way of living passes, the impact of social isolation may start to take a toll. So we can make a list of the people that we care about and put a reminder in our phone to send each one of them a note of love and encouragement once a day on a rotating basis. Or as Gene Somers suggested a couple weeks ago, we can ask someone every day how they are doing today. Doing this will help us get out of our own heads where anxiety can otherwise derail us. I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts too, Dwayne, about how we can kind of cope in the 
the current uh, situation. Well, similarly, and you know, when lightning strikes, I guess it strikes in a couple of different places at the same time, because I have been having conversations with my clients about how Londoners experience the Blitz. I mean, literally, this is, oh. this is exactly how I've been it, with awesome. the example of the fact that, you know, America was at war and England was at war, but people in Abilene, Kansas, for example, weren't impacted. Their daily lives weren't disrupted the way that it, it was for Londoners during the Blitz. And this is yeah. an example of how our daily lives are being disrupted, even if we're not directly impacted by the situation. And yep. so I, I think that those are some really good ways to, to help us reduce our own anxiety, but also to help others. Yeah, we can't even imagine what some people may be feeling, civilians and veterans alike. And what's interesting is, you know, I wrote my book, Warrior, to kind of knit together the experiences of military service members, veterans, and everyday Americans. And now that's happening in our society. People across America are feeling things that many of our service members and veterans have felt for many years. And in a way, it's interesting because I'm working on a piece right now about how the veteran community is responding to this. Some are responding as though, you know, hey, America feels a little bit less alien to me today because everybody else is kind of feeling some similar things. And other people are getting deeply re-traumatized by everything that's unfolding. Yeah. And, and you're right. That's another thing that I've been helping my veterans with is helping them help others go through this. So we really appreciate uh, those points, obviously, and, and really hope that this conversation with Dr. Polizzi and the Real Warriors campaign can really sort of help you think about how the DOD is making some changes about how they're approaching suicide prevention and into the veteran community. So make sure to check out the show notes at veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash STMSS12, where you can get links to the things we talked about in the episode, as well as on militarytimes.com. As a reminder, you can ask us questions or let us know what you thought by going to our Facebook group moderated by the outstanding D. James by going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash group. While you're at it, check out our sponsors, Mill Media Group. They're a web design and digital media agency with over 25 years of experience in supporting service members, veterans, and their families. They specialize in working with startups, small businesses, entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and city and state and local governments. As a veteran-owned business, they're uniquely qualified to work with those who want to reach an audience in the military and veteran community. If you have a dream or a vision, they can help bring it to life and get you in front of your audience. You can contact them at 254-554-0974 or find them online at millmediagroup.com. Just a reminder that the guests and reflections on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. While Dwayne and I are mental health professionals, we are not your mental health professionals. We always recommend that you discuss these things with a licensed clinician. You can find out more about the work that Shauna is doing by checking out her latest book, Beyond the Military, A Leader's Handbook for Warrior Reintegration, and the work that I'm doing with my latest book, Military in the Rearview Mirror. Both are available on Amazon and we'll have links to those in the show notes. And always remember, you can connect with the Veteran Crisis Line by calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing 1. Chat online with them at veterancrisisline.net or texting 838255. Thanks again for joining us to talk about seeking the military suicide solution and make sure to follow Military Times on social media to keep up with the latest shows. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, remember, you're not alone, ever.